0: Welcome to Profit Boss Radio, where successful women have paved the road to their own financial freedom. Each week, your host, Hillary Hendershot, financial coach, money mindset expert, and experienced wealth manager, will help you discover the keys to the wealth and peace of mind you want and deserve in her no-nonsense and authentic style, starting right now. Hey, Profit Boss. This is Hilary Hendershot, your host. Welcome to episode 67, how to buy your dream house in 28 days in a seller's market without multiple offers. As you know, if you've been following along, my husband and I just bought a house and I wanted to share that story with you. I got really inspired. I invited a couple experts to have a panel discussion with me. We're gonna air that episode next week and those experts are a mortgage expert and a real estate expert and then, you know, me. So there's three of us. And I thought I would take a week and just real quick tell you the story of how we did what we did. Basically, I went from not even knowing that I was going to move to owning a home in 28 days so pretty incredible and thought I would share some of those secrets with you basically we were living in a rented home in the San Francisco Bay Area very expensive but real estate here is very expensive and we had let the owners of that home know that we definitely wanted to stay there for either three or four more years I had got myself kind of attached to not owning real estate I just I didn't want to pay the premium to buy a home here here. And, you know, I will share with you, it's it's a matter of public record, purchase price for a home and, and mortgage amounts and things like that. The home that we purchased is $1.72 million and we have a $1.2 million mortgage on that home. Actually, our monthly payment, sort of apples to apples, when you take everything, all the tax. Deductions into account is about the same. So we don't, we, it's not a significant discount either way. And I know that there are some personal finance experts out there, one in particular, I'll call him the get out of debt king who rail against debt of any kind. And I will just say, look, I've talked about this before. I'm really not going to go into it in depth in this episode. I'm just not even going to entertain the conversation that mortgage debt is bad debt, especially in an environment like this where mortgage rates are still in the threes it's ludicrous to to really even think that you should pay off your home when there's so much more that you can do with that money you can pay the bank three and something percent to give you your money back to you and let you invest it at, and earn a higher rate which is what my husband and I are very confident that we can do so that is we took the maximum mortgage I, I don't mind sharing with you that if we had to we could have paid cash for the house but you know we didn't want to do that we we wanted a big mortgage, so we were able to do that. And um, um, first, I'm going to tell you the story of how we got the mortgage, and then I'll tell you the story of how we got the house. So, first of all, the day I got notice from the property managers, first I. I cried. We had negotiated a 60 day notice to vacate into the contract. So it was uh, late March and they said you have to be out late May. Well, we have a vacation planned to Spain. I didn't want to cancel my vacation Uh, there because it's anchored around a conference in order for it to be a tax deduction and a business expense. It needs, we can't move it. Right. So I, and frankly, I need a vacation and I just didn't want to move it. So I asked them, can we have till June 1st? they said no, I got angry, I cried a little, and then we got right to moving. And I basically emailed a friend of mine. uh, Many of you know, I used to be in mortgage lending. And so I I have friends in the biz. And so I emailed the gal that I've been referring clients to for many years. And I said, uh, let's start the process. And so she's with uh, Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo is a, a portfolio lender, which means they lend their own money. They're what we refer to in the biz as an A paper shop, pretty much. They want borrowers with great credit scores, with lots of documentable income. And if you don't fit their profile, you might still be a great mortgage borrower. They just aren't going to take a risk. So they have really strict underwriting guidelines. And, you know, right away, so she's great. My friend who was my mortgage owner, she's fantastic, but she has to go by Wells Fargo's rules. And because we're business owners and we uh, are on extension for 2016 taxes, means we haven't filed our taxes yet. We filed an extension we'll file in October of this year. They were asking for so many documents and their document transfer protocol was really cumbersome and frustrating. I got so frustrated with it that I actually had one of my team members do it for me because I was like, I'm gonna, you know, burn the house down if I have to ask for, you know, deal with another expired secure link. And so I just wasn't To, to put it spiritually, I wasn't getting a good vibe. You know, when those couple days went like that and we were back and forth on documents that were required. And I just thought if the signs, if there were signs on the road saying, is this going to work out or not going to work out? I was starting to feel like it wasn't going to work out with Wells Fargo. Through no fault of my lent the loan officer, right? But you know how it works is they have these silos, and you get to talk to your loan officer. The loan officer collects the documents, and then the loan officer gets to talk to the underwriter. The underwriter is the person, and it is a person who says whether the borrower matches the loan's guidelines. And you, the if there's a reason you don't get to talk to the underwriter because they don't want that person swayed by you at all. So it's you know it's a formal process, highly document heavy, especially after the financial crisis. And so I just, I wasn't feeling it. And so we at the same time had gone through, I work for, there's a real estate agent who is a client of mine. He and I went to business school together and he and his wife have moved out to Houston, Texas. So he's out in Houston. He's not doing real estate anymore, but I reached out to him first and he has a partner here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we were just going to work with that person. The reason I didn't work with Aaron Hendon, who is the real estate expert that I have on for next week, is because Aaron's in Seattle and I needed a local agent. I would definitely have worked with Aaron. He's fantastic, but I, it wasn't an option. So we're working with a real estate agent. I said to him, I need another lender. Like, I'm not sure it's going to work out with Wells Fargo. And he refers me to someone that he's very used to working with. And she went right to work for me uh, as well. And so in the beginning of the process, most of you you know the mortgage lender and the real estate agent do not get paid until the end of the transaction so that first part is very labor intensive and she both lenders are collecting documents for us and I'm above board I let them know that I'm shopping or that I'm you know not committed to one lender and they of course don't like that and of course they shouldn't right they nobody wants to do work for free And I get it, but I felt that it was necessary given we didn't have any time. There was no wiggle room, right? I need a house and therefore I need a loan and I need to be sure someone's going to give me a loan. So I have to act in my own self-interest. I think... The best way to do this, and you'll hear Jen say this next week, and you'll hear me say it, is if you're going to buy a house and you have time, you should start with the mortgage lender. Get pre-qualified, not just pre-qualified, but pre-approved, which means the underwriter has looked at your documents and said... Yeah, everything you say is true about your financial life is true. I'm ready to give you a loan for this amount. This is what I think your interest rate will be. You can go shop for a house. And I call that license to shop. We never had a license to shop. I had to earn the license to shop and shop at the same time, okay? At one point, you know, we made an offer and you have to get a pre-qualification. And I'll tell the making an offer story after I get finished with the loan story. But we had to get the pre-qualification to make the offer. And lender, so lender number two, the the lender who doesn't work for Wells Fargo, you know, worked really hard to get us a pre-approval letter. And we did get into contract. And at one point, about a week after that, I got an email from... I forget how she was made aware, but lender number two, and I felt like I had been above board, but you know, there was a, there was a lot going on and she emailed me and copied the real estate agent and said, I hear you might be working with two lenders. That's not good. It's going to hold up the process. Like I've done all this work for you. I worked for you late on a Friday night and I'll be honest with you. I really didn't appreciate that. I can recognize that her interest and my interest in the transaction are different and I didn't really appreciate the guilt trip I felt like it was pretty unprofessional. And then a, a day later, we got an, uh, I think I got a call or an email from the agent that we were working with, the real estate agent, and he sort of echoed the same sentiment. Why do you have two lenders in the transaction? This might hold us up. I don't really think you should do this. Lender number two, basically the one I, he had referred us to had stayed up late on a Friday night working for us. And I guess he wanted to know if we had any questions. Well, I, I really did not like this. So I want people who work with us to have their incentives aligned with us. And I didn't understand why I shouldn't have two lenders in the process. So I actually reached out to my client who is a real estate, as I said, an agent. Well, he's a real estate expert and he lives in Houston. I called him up and I said, why am I getting this pushback? Well, it turns out things have changed a little since I worked in the business and now you can't use one appraiser for two lenders. So we were going to be on the hook for two appraisals, about $600 each. But he said, really, you can keep two lenders in the game, but you do have to make a decision at some point. Well, we knew that. And so I asked our agent, are you in somehow financially incented to have this lender number two in the game? I don't understand why I'm getting this email from you. He completely apologized, sort of right himself in terms of I guess where he was aligning his best interests. And, you know, we let lender number two know, yeah, you know, we do have two lenders in the game. We've been above board with you about that. We are not sure that Wells is going to be able to give us a loan, but we had kind of compared rates at that point. Wells Fargo was quoting us 3.25 and this other lender was quoting us, I think, 3.875. And so that's a big enough spread that it's well worth paying $600 for another mortgage, excuse me, another appraisal to see what happens we still weren't sure what was going to happen so you know I just really felt like it was important to share with you how I had to check with the professionals that were advising me, you know, I trust you as my agent to act in my interest. And I I need to understand why you're asking me this question. So we got on the same page. At the end of the day, lender number two, about a week after that, she emailed us and said, you know, I need to know I'm your lender. If you still have your application in with Wells Fargo, I'm going to just budget my team's time professionally. And basically, she was saying, either I'm your, you know, you need to commit to me or I'm out. And I could get that. I I didn't think that it would go that way. And I really felt strongly that that was our indicator that we should stay with Wells, that we had done most of the paperwork at that point. And I reached out to the Wells Fargo lender and I said, how are you feeling about this? And, you know, she did hedge her bets, but I felt that that email from lender number two was our sign to to go ahead and let her take a knee. And ultimately, Wells Fargo did approve the loan. So we got a rate of 3.25% and felt like that was a huge success. And I I can completely understand the other lender not wanting to spin her wheels or, or spend time. But ultimately, I'm auditioning for jobs all the time. Whenever I spend time with a prospective client, you know, that person can say no. And if they say no, they don't owe me money. And that's just the nature of entrepreneurship. And, you know, on a personal level, it was hard for me. I'm not emotionless, but we felt that it was the best for us and it did work out the best for us. So now I will tell you the real estate story. So the day we got notice that we needed to move, I, as I said, that night was crying. (laughs) I really didn't want to move, I didn't want to move in a rush, I didn't want to give up my vacation to Spain, I I just, I wasn't, I had to collect myself to be ready to play the game, right? My husband opens up his laptop, gets on Redfin, starts searching for comparable properties and he says, guess what house just went on the market? Well, when I met my husband, I think it was 2011. I can't, I think that sounds right. It was late 2010 or 2011. He was living in a house that had just, I mean, it was, he didn't have it furnished well, but it had this beautiful backyard. And we sort of spent a summer getting to know each other and laying by the pool and, you know, making margaritas. And we had always sort of Harkened back to that house. We refer to it as the pool deck because it's so beautiful. I mean, to me, it's like a boutique hotel pool deck. It's just gorgeous. These beautiful palm trees and potted plants and ivy crawling up the wall of the house and just amazing. Some, somebody really put a lot of love and care into that backyard. Well, that very house had been listed for sale that day. And I'll tell you, it felt like a ton of synchronicity. And we knew at that point that unless something major had changed, we would make an offer on that house. And But yet, as a buyer, I will tell you, your number one marching orders are: don't get attached to a piece of property. So we needed a choice B and a choice C. We had our choice A, we needed a B and a C. And so we went looking and we found a house just a mile and a half away. We had some other plans, but they're in terms of, let's call it house A and is the the one he used to live in, the pool deck house. And then house B was another house that was very similar to the pool deck house. It also had a pool. However, it was vacant. The owners had moved out and they had staged the house. So it actually showed much better than house A. And we made some strategic choices and they ultimately got us what we wanted. And so that's what I really wanted to share with you in this episode. We knew that we would have been equally happy in House A or House B. Even though House A was special to us, we can't let that get in the way. And for those of you who have seen the movie A Beautiful Mind, this negotiation strategy takes a cue from the Nash Theorem. In that movie, A Beautiful Mind, Russell Crowe explains to his friends in a bar who are all planning to compete for the attentions of a particularly beautiful blonde who is there with her friends, and I will include a link to this scene in the show notes at com forward slash 67. John Nash explains to his friends that if they all go for the blonde, their top choice, and ignore her friends, then they all block each other and they offend the other girls leaving them all alone at the end of the night. Whereas if they ignore their top choice, the blonde, and flirt with her friends, actually they all have a much better choice of something that will, excuse me, chance at something that will ultimately make them happy, right? So, we knew that house B was going to, sh- was showing better. And the way making a real estate offer works is it, you, if you have an offer outstanding on one house, you can't then make an offer on another. You cannot have two outstanding offers at one time. So house A was taking offers on Tuesday night and house B. By no accident, the listing agent decided to take offers on Wednesday. So he wanted people to choose house A or house B because from the perspective of the listing agent, the more people making offers on his house, the higher the purchase price is going to be. And he won that game. So we made a timed offer on house A. We said, you have until midnight on Tuesday night to decide. And that meant we had to be willing not to get it, right? That means if our offer is timed then if we don't come to a conclusion by Tuesday night, we're out. And that means we don't get this house. But we knew that a rash of offers was going to come in on House B and we wanted to be ready. We also wanted to incentivize the seller of House A to make a decision and to decide in our favor. And he did get, I don't know, maybe you can hear the baby in the background. I'm literally sitting here in the middle of a room full of boxes in my new house. By the way, this is the closest Profit Boss Radio will come to being live radio. I'm recording this the day before it's supposed to air on my headset because I have no idea where my professional mic is So this is as real as it gets, folks. So we made that timed offer on House A, and the seller came back and said, you know, you offered 1.7. The house was listed at 1.7. He was really hoping that, you know, it really is a seller's market in the San Francisco Bay Area. Homeowners are accustomed to getting significantly more than they list the property for. I mean, it's just like a foregone conclusion that, I mean, even here, like I said, a lot of people are even paying all cash. So it's pretty incredible. Incredible! what's happening in terms of real estate in this area so he was expecting it to get bid up a little bit he had some lowball offers but he asked us basically to sweeten the deal a little bit he was hoping that you know his listing agent told us that he was hoping to get 1.74 we didn't want to go to 1.74 so we went to 1.72 so we sweetened the deal by $20,000 but we were prepared to do that understand when we made the offer we were expecting to go to negotiate up That's a key too. You have to not start at your top dollar amount that you want to pay. And he accepted the offer and you know Robert and I managed that process I was at a meeting downtown he was in New York City on a business trip we were managing it by text and phone call with our real estate agent it was pretty incredible and we got our house and then to follow up on that the next day exactly what John Nash was trying to prevent happened to his friends who all wanted to quote-unquote bid on the sexy blonde happened to house number B house number B house letter B house B the the next day, which is that everyone who didn't make an offer on house A then made an offer on house B and it got bid up $100,000. So we saved ourselves $80,000 and that's nothing to shake a stick at and got the house that we wanted by playing the strategy game. So next week you're going to hear expert advice from Aaron and Jen. I have a top loan mortgage originator and an award-winning realtor set up to talk with you about best practices. I wouldn't necessarily say that if I could design the home buying process, we would do what we did. But you know, here I am sitting just a few feet from my new gorgeous pool deck, the pool deck. Many of you in the Profit Boss Facebook group have seen pictures of it. It's really amazing to have accomplished what we've accomplished. And I will say that Financially speaking, what Robert and I were doing in the years preceding what happened that got us the home, we didn't even know that we were preparing to take a mortgage because as entrepreneurs, you know, oftentimes we don't pay ourselves a lot because we don't want to pay the income tax. But Robert and I don't do that because in order to maximize our personal wealth, we have to put that money in personal accounts. And we know that. So that means you have to pay the income tax on everything that you can't save in a tax deductible way. And you And ultimately that really, really paid off for us. So, but that said, a better strategy would have been to take it slow to do things in order go to the mortgage lender get the pre-approval first only work with one mortgage lender you know you're going to hear Jen talk about that how you should commit to your mortgage lender and and I agree but you have to get that pre-approval and they're going to talk about some other things to be aware of and to watch out for especially the mistakes you need to make sure that you don't make so I hope you enjoyed this story of how I purchased a house in 20 uh, my dream house in 28 days in a seller's market without multiple offers. And next week, we have even more to finish up this series on how to buy your dream house. Thanks for listening to this episode of Profit Boss Radio. Hey, Profit Boss, you know, sometimes it really does take a village. I don't know if you know what it's like to be a podcaster, but it can be pretty lonely. I sit in my office day in and day out. I put out content that I think is going to help you move closer to your goals. And you know, I need your help. I need your input and I need your opinion. For just six weeks, I have my Listener survey link live at Hilaryhendershot.com forward slash podcast survey, and I need to hear from you. I think really warm thoughts of all the people who have filled out that survey so far, and I need to hear from you. I know it's not convenient. I know you're not sitting by your laptop right now, but you'll be there later today. And if you think about it, just go. The link will definitely be in the episode notes for today's episode, but just go to Hilaryhendershot.com forward slash podcast survey. It'll take 20 seconds. Fill out my survey. Let me know if there's anything I can do on the show that would make it better. Are the episodes too short? Are the episodes too long? Do I talk too much? Do you want more guests? Do you want more solo episodes? Let me hear from you the questions you want answered. Most importantly, I want to know what it's going to take to move you closer to your financial goals this year. That's what I want to provide for you. And that's what you can tell me how to do at hillaryhendershot.com forward slash podcast survey thanks profit boss profit boss thanks for making it to the end of another episode of pbr i have been doing a lot of thinking about you I'm thinking about how hard it can be to change old habits. I mean, sometimes I think how nice it would be if things worked like they did for Keanu Reeves and those Matrix movies. If we could just lie back in an industrial punk rock barber chair and have a little cable plugged into the backs of our necks and just instantly become the masters of our financial domains. That would be kind of perfect, right? Except for the part about having the cable plugged into the back of your neck and the whole industrial punk thing. And Keanu Reeves is so annoying when you get right down to it. But I think it's important to form new habits, especially ones as fun as being alerted when new episodes of Profit Boss Radio go live. You want to know a secret? This is one habit that's almost no work at all. All you have to do is head over to iTunes, find the Profit Boss Radio channel, and hit subscribe. That's it. Then each week, you'll automatically find the latest episode ready and waiting on your favorite device. And the best part is that subscribing to Profit Boss Radio is just the beginning of other wonderful habits, like taking control of your money and learning how to build wealth or starring in your own reality show. Well, maybe not that one, unless it's on YouTube and self-produced. But plenty of great stuff is sure to happen when you subscribe. So what are you waiting for? Thank you for listening to Profit Boss Radio, where creating success on our own terms happens every day. You're not alone in your journey to a rich life, and that's why Hillary is here to add value in each and every episode. See you next time on The Podcast for Women and Money.